the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. As we continue in Romans' third chapter, we recognize what Paul is laying down for us is the fact that our eternal salvation, which is the greatest thing that a being could attain, had nothing to do with us. Nothing. That we could not create our own righteousness, we could not gain our own righteousness, and what's more, we couldn't keep our righteousness. That this was a work of God through Jesus Christ. That everything that we needed, both for now and for eternity, came through Him. And the life that He has given you to live, Christian, is not a life of independence, but a life of total dependence upon Him. And the hardest thing we do is let go. It's to let go of the idea that we can be self-sufficient in some area of our lives. You know one thing I've been convinced of as a father? Is that I cannot be a father. There's only one who knows how to father my children. The one thing that I've been convinced of as a human being is that I can't be a man as God created man to be apart from Him. That nothing in my life did I create was worthy to live. Nothing I created was worthy to live. Nothing that I aspired to be was I worthy to belong to. In everything, everything good that could be called worthy in my life, it has been given me. It has been given me. What do you think that you have added to your life? What do you think you will add to your life? Man lives for that fleeting hope, doesn't it? One day, I will. Then I'll have worth. Then I'll have value. Then I'll have what this life should offer me. You have life. Jesus said He gave it to you in abundance. We left off at Romans 3.26 and we're going to begin there and I'm going to try to finish out chapter 3. I'm going to actually start at verse 25 because 26 is a continuation. In Romans chapter 3 verse 25... He says, whom God put forward before the eyes of all as a mercy seat, speaking of Jesus, and a propitiation by His blood, the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through faith. 
This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over and ignored former sin without punishment. It was to demonstrate and prove at the present time in the now season that he himself is righteous and that he justifies and accepts as righteous him who has true faith in Jesus. We talked about these verses last week. And the cross shows us both justice and mercy. Man does not believe that the two could be compatible. Man believes that justice would be apart from mercy. But God shows us both grace and justice in the cross. Both. God passed over the sin of man from Adam forward, from Adam to the cross. He passed over sin in man from Adam to the cross. That included not only what man did, but who man was. He passed it over and he looked over sin to the cross where sin would be justly paid for and dealt with. And then in his mercy he didn't leave man to his fate apart from him. Do you see the mercy and the grace of God? This God who literally condescended to reach out to a a creation that had become altogether corrupt, altogether sinful, altogether separate from Him, who literally hated Him and was in enmity against Him, devised ways to separate Himself from God. God reached over and provided a way A pathway to take, not just deliver this sinful man from the consequences of sin, but literally recreate him into a glorious being that would have intimate fellowship with himself. Oh, do you see the mercy in that? Do you see the grace that's in that? God showed his mercy through a person. He purposed that Jesus would demonstrate His mercy. And Jesus was put forward as evidence of God's great love towards us as a propitiation by His blood. The atonement of Christ was the work of God. And what was its purpose? What was the purpose of atonement? The atonement of Christ was the work of God to bring us into union with His life. Atonement can be separated to say, at one minute. And that's what God's desire was. To bring us into oneship with Himself. At one moment. This meant more than forgiveness. Forgiveness took care of sin. Death took care of the sinner. And the resurrection gave union life with Him. That man who literally was an enemy of God. That creation who was wicked to the core. Died with Him. On the cross. The cross took care of the sinner. Death took care of the sinner. And what was resurrected with Christ was the life that you now bear. His life. Romans 3.27 Then what becomes of our pride and our boasting? It is excluded, banished, ruled out entirely. On what principle? On the principle of doing good deeds? No, but on the principle of faith. In other words, what do we dare boast in? If Jesus paid it all, then what can we attribute to man? 
What can you call your work? Where is boasting? Does it have a place? And this is referencing the righteousness of man to either gain or maintain a relationship with God. And Paul is saying, you have none. You have absolutely no basis to claim that you have a righteous standing with God apart from Christ. Well, we would say, you know, I would never claim to have a right... Yes, you would, and you do. Oh, yeah, you do. I do. It shows up in all manner of ways. We believe ourselves to be righteous by our works, and it is revealed by what we expect God and how we expect God to treat us when we're doing it all just right. You ever been there? You start the Bible study, you begin the Bible memorization, you're working on your neighbor to get him to know the Lord, you're giving tithe for the first time, you know, you're doing everything just right in line, and you lose your job. You go to the doctor and find out that you've got something wrong with you. Kids are rebelling. And immediately we say, God, we're like David. David does this all the time. And God... I've been faithful. I've been faithful, Lord. Job. I've been righteous. I've been good, Lord. You see, our situation's different. We don't stand in the righteousness of what we've done. We stand in the righteousness of Christ. The events of this world, and they're ever-changing, and the circumstances are ever-changing. They will come against us. Things will happen. Jesus said in this world there will be trouble. And was He right? Oh yeah, He was very right. There will be trouble. But what did Christ give us? He gave us a life that transcends the temporal world and the troubles that it brings. A confidence in hope and love and assurance in His life that means more or should mean more to the Christian than having everything ironed out. And so we say, but God, I did this right. Yes, because of my Son you have a desire to do these things, but they didn't make you righteous. But Lord, I'm, 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 I'm being faithful. I'm tithing, yes, because I gave you a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. And that is your nature. You're acting correctly, but you're not righteous because of it. You're righteous because of my Son. You see, what we would stand in is self-righteousness. We don't think we can do that, but we do it all the time. Another evidence... How many times have you just kind of gone off the reservation a little bit with your behavior and then something bad happens? What's the first thing you think? Well, I should have never done that. This is just dessert. I've got the flat tire because I yelled at my wife. I know God is... All right, Lord, I can see it. You're punishing me here. I understand it. If I hadn't done this, God would have treated me better. If I hadn't done that, then life would have handled me different. If I hadn't done this or that, God would have been blessing me and I would have walked beyond all trouble. Yes, tell Paul that. That's the life he lived, right? Wasn't it blessed? He did everything right and just one thing good after another happened to that man, right? That presumption is self-righteousness. That's what it is. The truth of the matter is, 
that God didn't allow that thing to happen into your life necessarily to punish you. Because here's the truth. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. But what He allows in your life, He allows not for punishment, but for the revelation of Christ. And you know what? If you've been off the reservation, you need it. And you need it now. What could be a better thing to give you? I, you know, I counsel sometimes couples that are having a real hard time with each other. And I look at them and I say, what, is, what do you think your mate needs? What is it you think that they need most when they're acting this way? Well, they just need to get their act together. They need to understand that I can't, I'm not to be treated this way. I said, oh, really? You don't think that maybe they just need to see Jesus? Well, yeah, I'm sure they do. Because Jesus wouldn't treat me like this. It's always about us, right? No. They need to see Jesus. They need the revelation of Christ. So what are you giving them? Well, in most cases, we're giving them the revelation of righteous indignation. <laughs> we're giving them the revelation of vindication, or we're giving them the revelation of the poor martyr me. They're not seeing Jesus. You know what that is? That's self-righteousness. You see, it's a lot more intrusive in our lives than we really think it is. If we really believe that Jesus paid it all, is there a deficit somewhere in our lives that we have to make up? Spiritually. I'll leave that out there. I'll let you answer it. What do we dare boast in? Paul had all kinds of credentials to boast in. He had a lot of credentials, and you can go through Philippians and read them and other places. But we covered them in Philippians. And then he comes into Philippians 3.8, and we see what the trade-off is. Paul speaking says, yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss. What, what, how much? Everything as loss. Compared to the possession, I love these adjectives, of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And, this is life, this is the walk of life, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For His sake, I have lost everything. And consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ, the Anointed One. That was the trade-off. The world would look at you and say, well, that wasn't a good bargain. And you know what? For those who have not participated or partaken of that life, they don't know what they're missing. They don't know the value of it. People who've lived in squalor and eaten the refuge and garbage of others cannot know what it is to appreciate a steak. But if they ever get it in their mouth, if they ever sit down to a well-cooked meal, they could never be happy with the other again. Never again. And you know, Christian, there's that period of time when we first come into Christ, when we receive Him as life and Savior, we don't know what we have. 
but we know it tastes right. There's an assumption or assurance within us that, hey, we have, we, we've got something here. We're excited about it. We don't even know how to articulate it, but God, God treats us as the children that we are, and He brings us along. But pretty soon, pretty soon, this excitement, this enthusiasm begins to diminish as we take our eyes off of the work of Christ and begin to look upon the work of man. This is, you know, who's most famous for, for diluting the truth in us is the church itself. Because we become so distracted with doing for religious sakes, for our growth in uh, religious understanding and in the Bible and so forth, we become consumed, you know, thinking that what we have received, we could receive more if we just did what other people did. And I went down that path. But here's what happens. As it diminishes, there's a hunger within us and we keep seeking, we keep striving, we keep working to try to do something to address that hunger within us. And we end up, many of us, and myself included, end up going out into the world thinking, well, you know, Christianity just really doesn't satisfy. I need to go out there. They're all proclaiming what what living that way does. Maybe that's what's going to quench this hunger within us. But the truth is, Jesus hit the nail on the head. He says, I have food you know not of. My food, my nurture is to do the will of God, the one who sent me. What does that mean? That means that life for Christ was yielding to the Father. Life for Christ is whatever the Father put before Him. The greatest nurture for the child of God is what God puts in His life before Him. That is the greatest nurture. But many of us push away and say, no, no, there must be something better out there. The doctor says, you have cancer. What are you going to do? You want to push away from the table and say, no, 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 there's got to be something better for me out there. Cancer is no delight. But you know what? The Father, the Father has prepared in the midst of cancer a nurture that no man can give you. And no amount of life and health could bring to you. That's the truth of everything that we encounter. And Jesus walked through the entirety of his life. And he got to the end of it. Walking in total dependence upon him. And he looked at the will of the Father. And he knew and what was before him was the cross. And his soul, his mind, will and emotion warred against the cross in the garden. I don't want this. Let it pass from me. Father said, oh no. The greatest work is yet to be done. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, obedience looks so different to us because it's been made to look that way by the enemy. We don't see walking in union with Him, yielding to His will in everything in our lives as being nurture. We see it as an arduous task that we must go through in hope that we might find some deeper spiritual truth at the end of the journey. But let me tell you, the journey is the reward. Because you, child of God, do not take a single step apart from Him. Jesus is your reward. Paul said, I count everything else 
Everything that this life has, has brought to me that I have gathered unto myself that some would wear as a cloak of righteousness, I know that it's worth nothing. I cast it aside and count it worthless. And in counting it worthless, I cast aside my physical comfort. I cast aside the welcoming of man. I cast aside the approval of my peers. I cast aside all of the things that this world has lauded upon me. The joy of having people applaud my righteousness. I cast it all aside compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Him. The preciousness of knowing Him. Put it all aside. The greatest thing about this righteousness is that if we did not earn it, we can't lose it. Righteousness is not something we do. It's a state of being. He says, you are righteous. Not your becoming righteous. You are a righteous creature. We talk about this boasting, that there's no room for this boasting. And what is boasting? It's self-congratulations without sufficient reason. We have reason for this in Christ, but none in the flesh. An interesting verse that we talked about in Bible study Thursday night. Galatians 4.15 What has become... Paul speaking to the Galatians. What has become of that blessed enjoyment and satisfaction and self-congratulation that once was yours in what I taught you and in your regard for me? For I bear you witness that you would have torn out your own eyes and have given them to me to replace mine if that were possible. You see, this speaks of a self-congratulation that is based on the work of Christ, not upon the work of the flesh. It's based on what God has done. We congratulate ourselves in the receipt of this new life. We celebrate His work, His salvation. We celebrate His deliverance. We celebrate the freedom that is ours in Christ. And we do so in faith, and we do so in truth, and we do so in the walk of our life. We are literally congratulating the work of God in the new creation and saying, Father... I am blessed of you. It is an enjoyment that Paul is speaking of. It is a freedom that Paul is speaking of. It is a way of life that these Galatians experienced prior to what? Well, the Galatians began to believe that righteousness was established by the works. They began to, because of Judaizers and others, begin to believe that they could somehow earn this righteousness. And what did it cost them? They might be able to say, in the midst of doing things for God, that they were due some self-congratulation. But what Paul seems to indicate is there was no enjoyment in it. There was no rest in it. Here's the thing, if He does it, and we can count on Him to do it to perfection, and I'm not talking about a, a physical work, although He does that. I'm talking about the spiritual work that He is continually doing about us and through us. If He does it, and He has promised to do it, then what is your position? You're the sheep, He's the shepherd. What is it that He is requiring of you? Simple, 
trust. Simple faith. Simple owning. You know, one of the things about that is you have to own the fact that you're a sheep, and that's something we rarely want to do. We want to be little shepherds, don't we? We want to learn all about what Jesus did so that we can be shepherds. But the truth of the matter is that in order to participate in what God has for you, because you don't know when to lay down, you don't know where the water's good, you don't even know when to feed yourself, in order to participate in what God has for you, you have to recognize you're a sheep who's in need of a shepherd, who literally has a shepherd. The Galatians had forgotten that they were sheep. And they begin to act like shepherds. They begin to take on all manner of things in order to prove themselves righteous before God. And Paul says, you have lost the enjoyment of living the Christian life. You have lost so much. Self-sacrifice is no longer part of your vocabulary. The moment we begin to believe that we are made righteous or accepted by our works or our behavior, we lose the blessed enjoyment and liberty. We no longer see ourselves as God does. We no longer say, I am blessed, I am cleaned, I am accepted. You know, and that's the biggest hurt of self-righteousness. Have you ever walked in self-righteousness and really with freedom been able to declare, I am blessed, I am clean, I am righteous, I am accepted, I am loved, without the because or without the but. The neat thing about what God has done for us is that when we walk in the freedom of it, we can say with absolute freedom and confidence, I am blessed, I am free in Him. I am accepted. I am loved. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.